Section 26 of The Natural History, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. The Natural History, Volume 4, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 26. Book 18, Chapters 78 to 90. Chapter 78. Prognostics Derived from the Sun. Having now explained the theory of the winds, it seems to me the best plan, in order to avoid any repetition, to pass on to the other signs and prognostics that are indicative of a change of weather. I find, too, that this is a kind of knowledge that greatly interested Virgil, for he mentions the fact that during the harvest even he has often seen the winds engaged in a combat that was absolutely ruinous to the improvident agriculturist. There is a tradition, too, to the effect that Democritus, already mentioned, when his brother Damasus was getting in his harvest in extremely hot weather, entreated him to leave the rest of the crop, and house with all haste that which had been cut, and it was only within a very few hours that his prediction was verified by a most violent storm. On the other hand, it is particularly recommended never to plant reeds except when rain is impending, and only to sow corn just before a shower. We shall therefore briefly touch upon the prognostics of this description, making inquiry more particularly into those among them that have been found the most useful. In the first place, then, we will consider those prognostics of the weather which are derived from the sun. If the sun is bright at its rising, and not burning hot, it is indicative of fine weather, but if pale, it announces wintry weather, accompanied with hail. If the sun is bright and clear when it sets, and if it rises with a similar appearance, the more assured of fine weather may we feel ourselves. If it is hidden in clouds at its rising, it is indicative of rain, and of wind, when the clouds are of a reddish colour just before sunrise. If black clouds are intermingled with the red ones, they betoken rain as well. When the sun's rays at its rising or setting appear to unite, rainy weather may be looked for. When the clouds are red at sunset, they give promise of a fine day on the morrow, but if at the sun's rising the clouds are dispersed in various quarters, some to the south and some to the northeast, even though the heavens in the vicinity of the sun may be bright, they are significant of rain and wind. If at the sun's rising or setting its rays appear contracted, they announce the approach of a shower. If it rains at sunset, or if the sun's rays attract the clouds towards them, it is portentous of stormy weather on the following day. When the sun at its rising does not emit vivid rays, although there are no clouds surrounding it, rain may be expected. If before sunrise the clouds collect into dense masses, they are portentous of a violent storm, but if they are repelled from the east and travel westward, they indicate fine weather. When clouds are seen surrounding the face of the sun, the less the light they leave, the more violent the tempest will be but if they form a double circle round the sun, the storm will be a dreadful one. If this takes place at sunrise or sunset, and the clouds assume a red hue, the approach of a most violent storm is announced, 
and if the clouds hang over the face of the sun without surrounding it, they presage wind from the quarter from which they are drifting, and rain as well if they come from the south. If, at its rising, the sun is surrounded with a circle, wind may be looked for in the quarter in which the circle breaks, but if it disappears equally throughout, it is indicative of fine weather. If the sun at its rising throws out its rays afar through the clouds, and the middle of its disk is clear, there will be rain, and if its rays are seen before it rises, both rain and wind as well. If a white circle is seen round the sun at its setting, there will be a slight storm in the night, but if there is a mist around it, the storm will be more violent. If the sun is pale at sunset, there will be wind, and if there is a dark circle around it, high winds will arise in the quarter in which the circle breaks. Chapter 79. Prognostics Derived from the Moon The prognostics derived from the moon assert their right to occupy our notice in the second place. In Egypt, attention is paid more particularly to the fourth day of the moon. If, when the moon rises, she shines with a pure bright light, it is generally supposed that we shall have fine weather. But if she is red, there will be wind, and if of a swarthy hue, rain. If upon the fifth day of the moon her horns are obtuse, they are always indicative of rain, but if sharp and erect, of wind, and this on the fourth day of the moon more particularly. If her northern horn is pointed and erect, it portends wind, and if it is the lower horn that presents this appearance, the wind will be from the south. If both of them are erect, there will be high winds in the night. If upon the fourth day of the moon she is surrounded by a red circle, it is portentous of wind and rain. In Varu we find it stated to the following effect, quote, If at the fourth day of the moon her horns are erect, there will be great storms at sea, unless, indeed, she has a circlet around her, and that circlet unblemished, for by that sign we are informed that there will be no stormy weather before full moon. If at the full moon one half of her disk is clear, it is indicative of fine weather, but if it is red of wind, and if black of rain. If a darkness comes over the face of the moon, covered with clouds, in whatever quarter it breaks, from that quarter wind may be expected. If a twofold circle surrounds the moon, the storm will be more violent, and even more so still if there are three circles, or if they are black, broken, and disjointed. If the new moon at a rising has the upper horn obscured, there will be a prevalence of rainy weather, when she is on the wane. But if it is the lower horn that is obscured, there will be rain before full moon. And if, again, the moon is darkened in the middle of her disk, there will be rain when she is full. If the moon, when full, has a circle round her, it indicates wind from the quarter in the circle which is the brightest. But if, at her rising, the horns are obtuse, they are portentous of a frightful tempest. If, when the west wind prevails, the moon does not make her appearance before her fourth day, there will be a prevalence of stormy weather throughout the month. If on the sixteenth day the moon has a bright, flaming appearance, it is a presage of violent tempests. There are eight different epochs of the moon, or periods at which she makes certain angles of incidence with the sun, and most persons only notice the prognostics derived from the moon according to the places which they occupy between these angles. The periods of these angles are the third day, the seventh, the eleventh, the fifteenth, the nineteenth, the twenty-third, 
the twenty-seventh, and that of the conjunction. Chapter 80. Prognostics derived from the stars. In the third rank must be placed the prognostics derived from the stars. These bodies are sometimes to be seen shooting to and fro. When this happens, winds immediately ensue, in that part of the heavens in which the presage has been afforded. When the heavens are equally bright throughout their whole expanse, at the periods previously mentioned, the ensuing autumn will be fine and cool. If the spring and summer have passed not without some rain, the autumn will be fine and settled, and there will be but little wind. When the autumn is fine, it makes a windy winter. When the brightness of the stars is suddenly obscured, though without clouds or fog, violent tempests may be expected. If numerous stars are seen to shoot, leaving a white track behind them, they presage wind from that quarter. If they follow in quick succession from the same quarter, the wind will blow steadily, but if from various quarters of the heavens, the wind will shift in sudden gusts and squalls. If circles are seen to surround any of the planets, there will be rain. In the constellation of Cancer, there are two small stars to be seen, known as the Aceli, the small space that lies between them being occupied by a cloudy appearance, which is known as the Manger. When this cloud is not visible in a clear sky, it is a presage of a violent storm. If a fog conceals from our view the one of these stars which lies to the northeast, there will be high winds from the south. But if it is the star which lies to the south that is so obscured, then the wind will be from the northeast. The rainbow, when double, indicates the approach of rain, but if seen after rain, it gives promise, though by no means a certain one, of fine weather. Circular clouds around some of the stars are indicative of rain. Chapter 81. Prognostics derived from thunder. When in summer there is more thunder than lightning, wind may be expected from that quarter, but if, on the other hand, there is not so much thunder as lightning, there will be a fall of rain. When it lightens in a clear sky, there will be rain, and if there is thunder as well, stormy weather, but if it lightens from all four quarters of the heavens, there will be a dreadful tempest. When it lightens from the northeast only, it portends rain on the following day, but when from the north, wind may be expected from that quarter. When it lightens on a clear night from the south, the west, or the northwest, there will be wind and rain from those quarters. Thunder in the morning is indicative of wind, and at midday of rain. Chapter 82. Prognostics derived from clouds. When clouds are seen moving in a clear sky, wind may be expected in the quarter from which they proceed, but if they accumulate in one spot as they approach the sun, they will disperse. If the clouds are dispersed by a northeast wind, it is a presage of high winds, but if by a wind from the south, of rain. If at sunset the clouds cover the heavens on either side of the sun, they are indicative of tempest. If they are black and lowering in the east, they threaten rain in the night, but if in the west, on the following day. If the clouds spread in large numbers from the east, like fleeces of wool in appearance, they indicate a continuance of rain for the next three days. When the clouds settle on the summits of the mountains, there will be stormy weather, but if the clouds clear away, it will be fine. When the clouds are white and lowering, a hailstorm, generally known as a white tempest, is close at hand. 
an isolated cloud however small though seen in a clear sky announces wind and storm chapter eighty three prognostics derived from mists mists descending from the summits of mountains or from the heavens or settling in the valleys give promise of fine weather chapter eighty four prognostics derived from fire kindled by men next to these are the prognostics that are derived from fire kindled upon the earth if the flames are pallid and emit a murmuring noise they are considered to presage stormy weather and fungi upon the burning wick of the lamp are a sign of rain if the flame is spiral and flickering it is an indication of wind and the same is the case when the lamp goes out of itself or is lighted with difficulty so too if the snuff hangs down and sparks gather upon it or if the burning coals adhere to vessels taken from off the fire or if the fire when covered up sends out hot embers or emits sparks or if the cinders gather into a mass upon the hearth or the coals burn bright and glowing chapter eighty five prognostics derived from water there are certain prognostics too that may be derived from water if when the sea is calm the water ripples in the harbour with a hollow murmuring noise it is a sign of wind and if in winter of rain as well if the coasts and shores re-echo while the sea is calm a violent tempest may be expected and the same when the sea though calm is heard to roar or throws up foam and bubbling spray if sea pulmonas are to be seen floating on the surface they are portentous of stormy weather for many days to come very frequently too the sea is seen to swell in silence and more so than when ruffled by an ordinary breeze this is an indication that the winds are at work within its bosom already chapter eighty six prognostics derived from tempests themselves the reverberations too of the mountains and the roaring of the forests are indicative of certain phenomena and the same is the case when the leaves are seen to quiver without a breath of wind the downy filaments of the poplar are thorn to float in the air and feathers to skim along the surface of the water in champagne countries the storm gives notice of its approach by that peculiar muttering which precedes it while the murmuring that is heard in the heavens affords us no doubtful presage of what is to come chapter eighty seven prognostics derived from aquatic animals and birds the animals too afford us certain presages dolphins for instance sporting in a calm sea announce wind in the quarter from which they make their appearance when they throw up the water in a billowy sea they announce the approach of a calm the loligo springing out of the water shellfish adhering to various objects sea urchins fastening by their stickles upon the sand or else burrowing in it are so many indications of stormy weather the same too when frogs croak more than usual or coots make a chattering in the morning divers too and ducks when they clean their feathers with the bill announce high winds which is the case also when the aquatic birds unite in flocks cranes make for the interior and divers and sea-mews forsake the sea or the creeks cranes when they fly aloft in silence announce fine weather and so does the owlet when it screeches during a shower but if it is heard in fine weather it presages a storm ravens too when they croak with a sort of gurgling noise and shake their feathers give warning of the approach of wind if their note is continuous 
but if on the other hand it is smothered and only heard at broken intervals we may expect rain accompanied with high winds jackdaws when they return late from feeding give notice of stormy weather and the same with the white birds when they unite in flocks and the land birds when they descend with cries to the water and besprinkle themselves the crow more particularly the swallow too when it skims along the surface of the water so near as to ripple it every now and then with its wings and the birds that dwell in the trees when they hide themselves in their nests afford similar indications geese too when they set up a continuous gabbling at an unusual time and the heron when it stands moping in the middle of the sands chapter eighty eight prognostics derived from quadrupeds nor indeed is it surprising that the aquatic birds or any birds in fact should have a perception of the impending changes of the atmosphere sheep however when they skip and frisk with their clumsy gambols afford us similar prognostics oxen when they snuff upwards towards the sky and lick themselves against the hair unclean swine when they tear to pieces the trusses of hay that are put for other animals bees when contrary to their natural habits of industry they keep close within the hive ants when they hurry to and fro or are seen carrying forth their eggs and earthworms emerging from their holes all these indicate approaching changes in the weather chapter eighty nine prognostics derived from plants it is a well-known fact that trefoil bristles up and its leaves stand erect upon the approach of a tempest chapter ninety prognostics derived from food at our repasts too and upon our tables when we see the vessels sweat in which the viands are served and leave marks upon the sideboard it is an indication that dreadful storm is impending summary remarkable facts narratives and observations two thousand and sixty roman authors quoted Masurius sabinus cassius hemina varius flaccus l piso cornelius celsus tyrannius gracilus d solanus m varro cato the censor scrofa the cesserni father and son domitius calvinus hyginus virgil trojus ovid grisinus columella tubero l Tarusius, who wrote in greek on the stars caesar the dictator who wrote upon the stars sergius paulus sabinus fabianus m cicero calpurnius bassus ateus capito mamilius sura Atius, who wrote the Praxidica. Foreign authors quoted Hesiod, Theophrastus, Aristotle, Democritus, King Hiero, King Attalus Philometor, King Archelaus, Archytas, Xenophon, Amphilochus of Athens, Anaxipolus of Thasus, Aristophanes of Miletus, Apollodorus of Lemnos, Antigonus of Chyme. Agathocles of Chios, Apollonius of Pergamus, Aristander of Athens, Bacchius of Miletus, Bion of Soli, Chirias of Athens, Chiristus of Athens, Diodorus of Priene, Dion of Colophon, Epigenus of Rhodes, Euogon of Thasus, Euphronius of Athens, Androsian who wrote on agriculture, 
Iscreon, who wrote on agriculture, Lysimachus, who wrote on agriculture, Dionysius, who translated Mago, Diophanes, who made an epitome from Dionysius, Thales, Eudocus, Philippus, Callippus, Dositheus, Parmeniscus, Meton, Crichton, Eunopides, Zenon, Euctemon, Harpalus, Hecateus, Anaximander, Sosigenes, Hipparchus, Aretus, Zoroaster, Archibius. End of Book 8 End of Section 26